we put or tend to put God in a box and we tend to put the Holy Spirit in a box. And the thing that I love is that the Holy Spirit, he's so out, so, uh, so far outside of our realm of understanding. And yet he gives us the power being inside of us to, uh, to go out and change our world. And yet he comforts us and speaks to us personally. The Holy Spirit is my best friend. The Holy Spirit has been with me through difficult times in my life. It's the Holy Spirit is the person who I can go anytime and every day to talk. And the Holy Spirit has been my company everywhere I go. So for that I know I'm never alone because the Holy Spirit is always with me. So I think um, one of the things that I love about the Holy Spirit is how unpredictable He is. I can have as many plans as I want to, and yet His ways are always so much better and so much greater than what I could ever have planned or ever have imagined, and He always blows my expectations out of the water. Good morning, everybody. And good morning to those who are watching online. We are really, really glad that you tapped in with us and you are family if you've joined in with us. And we just started a series last week uh, called The Game Changer, which is a, about the Holy Spirit and huge positive response to the message last week. There's just, there's just really a hunger, I, I think, to, to know more about the one who we call the game changer we're calling in this series. But really, that's almost the words that Jesus used, not those exact words. But he looked at the disciples and he said on the, the night he was betrayed, he knew this was the last conversation conversation he would ever have with his disciples and the thing that he talked about absolutely the most was the Holy Spirit and he said guys I am leaving and but but don't let your hearts be troubled I'm not leaving you alone I'm going to send somebody I'm going to send a gift how about that the Holy Spirit is a gift to them it's a gift he's a gift to us as uh, as well and he said this he said it's actually good that I'm going because if I'm with you right now all I can be is with one person at a time or one area at a time but if I send the Spirit I can be with you, you, you can have all of God all the time. And he also said that he would send, he used the word comforter next week. Do not miss next week because we're going to be talking about some words of the, that the Holy Spirit is in our life. And if we understand this, it will absolutely profoundly affect our life. Remember in two weeks also is Easter. So be inviting friends, be inviting family to that. A lot of times that's, that's times where people who normally don't go to church can go to church and they hear, will hear the gospel message, I, I guarantee you. And we took a look last week and we said this. That we, we, we started to see who is this Holy Spirit. And we said, first of all, he is, he is God. He's God in human, I mean, he's God just like the, God the Father and God the Son. He's God the Spirit. We also said that he's, he's good. Jesus said he's just like him. So Jesus is good and the gift is, uh, is good. And he's also uh, a, a person. Jesus never called uh, the Holy Spirit it. He always called him he. And so, uh, and, and also that, uh, also said that he's not, He's not weird either. And we're going to take a look at just one aspect of that, his personality, uh, and see, because he is a person. Jesus said that didn't send something, he sent somebody. And we took a look last week and said, what difference does that make, whether it's a, an impersonal force or a, or a personal, uh, or, a, or has a personality? And we saw that you can't have a personal relationship unless it's a person, unless he's a person. And so we're going to take
take a look at the, at the personality of the Holy Spirit. And in order to, ha- to be a person, in order to have a personality, you need to have a, a mind, you need to have a will, and you need to have emotions. And it's easy for us to think of, of God the Son, of Jesus, having those three things, right? He obviously had thoughts because he preached those thoughts. He preached, you know, he preached what, he, what he thought and what was on his heart and everything. We, have, we know that. We also know that he had a will. Remember him in the garden saying, not my will, but yours be done. And he exercised what he wanted to do or what he didn't want to do throughout his, uh, throughout his, his life. And we also see that he had emotions. We see him angry. We see him crying. We see him compassionate. We see him loving. We see him having all the emotions that you and I have. It's easy for us to believe that, the Holy, that Jesus has those emotions. But it may be a little more difficult for us to believe that, that God the Spirit also has all of those things as, uh, as, as well. And so let's take a look at that. First of all, some important things to know about the person of the Holy Spirit. He has a mind. He has thoughts. In fact, uh, Isaiah 55 says this, for my thoughts are not your thoughts, declare the Lord. Neither are my ways your ways. For as the heavens are above the earth, so far the heavens are above the earth, so are my ways above your ways, and my thoughts above your thoughts. And his ways couldn't be, his thoughts couldn't be above ours unless he had thoughts, right? And I want you to think about this. The Holy Spirit has thoughts about you. A lot. He has thoughts about your situation right now that you're, that you're in. He has thoughts about your friendships, your relationships. He has thoughts about your marriage. He has thoughts about your kids. He has thoughts about how how to raise your kids. He has thoughts about the economy. He has thoughts about your job situation. He has thoughts, everything. You can't think of a subject that he doesn't have thoughts about, including concerning your life and your life situation. And here's the great thing, too. Not only does he have thoughts, he has perfect thoughts. I mean, you and I have thoughts, right? But how many times have our thoughts been completely off base? He never has a thought that is off base. Every thought he has ever thought is exactly right. He is omniscient. That means he knows everything about everything. You can't name a subject that he isn't the authority on, whether it's quantum physics or black holes, or he could fill out his NCA bracket perfectly, right? I mean, he knows not only he knows the, who's going to win, he knows the score, he knows the, what the players are thinking throughout that before the game ever starts. That's how ahead of the game he is. And here's the thing, too. He knows everything. He has perfect thoughts about your life situation. He has perfect thoughts about health. He has perfect thoughts about your marriage. He has perfect thoughts about, uh, about parenting and, and anything like that. And so uh, it's important for us. And here's the great thing. Isn't it important if he has those kind of incredible thoughts and perfect thoughts, shouldn't we want to know what those thoughts are? And here's where the, this can profoundly uh, bless our life and affect our life. Look in John 16. He says this. But when the spirit of truth comes, this is Jesus talking, he will guide you into all truth. I mean, picture this, the one who knows everything about everything, okay? The one who is omniscient and who has thoughts about you, he wants to share those thoughts with you. I mean, in fact, the one that God has, the, the, the person of the Godhead that God has on this earth to teach us about those things, to guide us into to not only truth, but all truth, is the one who lives inside of us if we're a believer. How cool is that? 
And then, uh, and, and also, you think about your favorite subject, something that you would love to learn about. I mean, something that you would just love to learn about that, that's really on your heart. Now, can you imagine if the authority in the world was able to, to, to teach you and willing to say, you know what, I'm going to spend all the time it takes for you to understand this. I will, I will take whatever time you, necessary for us to relate in that way so you know this subject. Whether it be, you know, say you love photography, Ansel Adams, maybe it's music, and you have, you know, uh, Beethoven that's willing to teach you all these things. And, but here's the Spirit of God that's willing to teach you about anything. And here's the cool thing, too. Every person hearing my voice, I would think that you want to know about, more about God or you wouldn't be in this room or you wouldn't be listening online right now. And the God who is inside of you, who knows everything about God, because He is God, wants to teach you about God. Wants to teach you what, what He loves, what He does, doesn't love, how, who you are in Him, his, your relationship, how He views you. He wants you to know all those things and He's willing and able to teach you all those things. Another thing is, too, is, is he has a, a will. Uh, he has ideas. He has thoughts. He has things he wants to promote. In fact, there's a story about uh, Paul and Silas and Timothy, and they're on their first missionary journey. And, and, and Paul and Silas, they want to go into Asia Minor. They want to go in there and, and preach the gospel. And that's a pretty good thing. Asia Minor is where present-day Turkey is. And that's their intent. And I mean, that's a good thing, right? Preaching the gospel in the first time in, in Asia. But watch this. The Holy Spirit says, uh uh-uh. Not now, not at this time. It says this in Acts 16. It says, Paul and Silas traveled through the area of Phygia and Galatia because the Holy Spirit had prevented them from preaching the word in the province of Asia at that time. And the word prevented there, it literally means to exert your will on someone, on someone else. And of course, God want, wanted the, the gospel to be preached in, in Asia. Of course he did. That was on his heart as much or more than it was on, on, on Paul and Silas's heart. But he knows he has perfect timing and he has the perfect way of doing things. He said, yes, I want it, but not right now and not in this way. And only a short time later, it did, it it took place. But God was exhorting his will on on that. And how did Paul and Silas know that God was, that the Holy Spirit was telling them no? Because they were hearing his voice. And there's something that we're going to do in a few weeks after Easter. We're going to go through, because the number one question I'm asked and the number one spiritual question that people are asked is this, how can I know God's will for my life? And so we're going to go over that. What are some of the ways you hear God's voice? How, how does the Holy Spirit speak to us? If it's not an audible voice most of the time, then how does he, then how does he do that? And here's two important things for us to understand about God's will. First of all, he has a general will for your life, and then he has a specific will for your life. He has a general will for everybody, right? There's things that he wants every one of us to be about and every one of us to be doing. In fact, the Bible says in, uh, in, in 1 Timothy, he says this, that he wishes everybody to, to come into salvation and a knowledge of the truth of his son, Jesus Christ. And, and, you know, the wild thing, that's God's will for everybody, for everybody to be saved on this earth. Now, that doesn't happen because we also have a will to either choose that or not to choose that. But that's God's desire. You and I never have to ask the question uh, whether God wants us to be honest or not, or whether God wants us to have sex outside of marriage or not, or whether God wants us to, to forgive or not, or to be loving or be compassionate. Why? Because it's in his word. And the primary way that we know the, 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 uh, the will will of God, the, the general will of God is through his word. He tells that to everybody and he lets people know, this is what I believe about honesty. This is what I believe about, about whatever the subject is that's true for every one of us. But also God has a specific will for every single person that's hearing my voice right now. 
He has a specific will for you. Think about how unique you are. You have a unique fingerprints, right? You have a unique voice print. You have a unique eye print. You have a unique DNA. You have a unique personality that is completely different from any other person that has ever lived or ever will live on this, on this earth. And God has a specific will in mind for you as, as well. And so, and here's the thing, that, that maybe his, his general will, we know his general will is for, uh, is for say, in, uh, in business. That we're supposed to be honest, you know, in, our, in business. That we're supposed to, to submit to our authorities if they're over us. And we're supposed to be compassionate to, to those. But it doesn't tell us in the Bible where we're supposed to, uh, to, to do our business, right? It doesn't tell us. You can't look there and see specifically where you were supposed to work. What career you're supposed to have. What you're supposed to ma- uh, major in. You're not going to see that. You're going to see the kind of business person you're supposed to be. And even things we're supposed to do with our finances. But you're not going to see that specific will for for your life. Or how about this? We are told generally who to look for as we, as we look to, to marry someone. We're to look for, the Bible says that we're not supposed to, to, to be unequally yoked with an unbeliever. We're supposed to look for somebody, you know, have specifics in that. But it's not going to tell us. It's not, the, the Bible is, is not going to tell us, Jack, I want you to date Connie, right? I want you to go out and I want you to woo her and I want you to, to then ask her to marry you. And, and Connie, I want you to, to say, when he asks you to marry him, say, yes, my big hunk of love. I will do that, right? He's not going to do specifically those things. So how do you know who to, how do you know who to marry if he's not going to sp- say that specifically in his, in his word? How do you know the, the, the different things? But can't you see where those are just as Im- important? It says, you know, we know that we're supposed to train up our children in the faith. But we don't know how we're supposed to train each one of our children, do we? Because they're so different in personality. And it doesn't say in the Word of God, you're supposed to put this, this child in, in, in Christian school and this child in public school and you're supposed to homeschool this child. So how do we know what we're supposed to do specifically with our life? We know generally, but how about specifically? Just like we're, we know the, the, the general will of God by the Word of God, we know the specific will of God by the Spirit of God. He speaks to us. He tells us. And here's the thing. You are never going to know the specific will of God in your life until you know the Spirit of God. And the closer you come to the Spirit of God and open to that and open what He wants to do and the guidance we just talked about, the more you're going to know the will of God in, your, uh, in your, your life. And the cool thing is the, spirit, the, the general will of God through His Word and the specific word of, uh, will of God in his, through His Spirit, they come together time and time again. I mean, I don't know, you can be reading the Word of God and you can be looking on something and you see forgiveness, that we're supposed to forgive and, and you're, you, you know that's generally for every single one of us. But then God grabs you by the lapel and, and says, okay, I want you to forgive so-and-so. Or I want you to go to someone and I want you to ask for forgiveness. He makes, the, he makes the Bible come alive. The Spirit who wrote the Word of God, the Bible tells us, is the one who makes that come alive also with His Spirit to go, this is for you, this is for right now, this is how you apply that in your life. It's the Word of God with the Spirit of God that we get the will of God and understand that for, for us. And something else, do you know have, have any idea how blessed we are as believers right now? Because think about it, for until 2,000 years ago when the Holy Spirit was poured out on, on Pentecost, God only spoke to a, a few people in an entire generation. 
He would speak to the, the, the Elijahs and the Elishas and the Isaiahs and the Jeremiahs and the Amoses and the Samuels and people like that. But I mean, the average person, you and I walking around, we weren't going to be able to hear from God because God just spoke specifically to specific individuals. Even if you were a king in those days, you had to inquire of those, uh, of those prophets to see what the word of God was and the will of God was for your life. But now we have the spirit of God that's poured out on all flesh that our sons and daughters will prophesy that everybody can hear, who's a believer, can hear the voice of, of God. We are so blessed. There's not a better time in this world to be a believer, which is an amazing thing. And can you see how making decisions, how knowing the will of God can change your life for, you know, for, for understanding that? And for some reason, my mind flashed back to just a time when I was a little kid. And my, my family and I, we would spend 30 days every summer. We'd travel the country in a trailer, a pup trailer. And we'd, we'd go to campground and we'd, we'd, you know, we'd make, our little, make our little space there. And I'll never forget when one time a ranger came flying into the station. And we were in the southwest. And he said, there's a flash flood coming. There wasn't a cloud in the sky where we were, but the thing is it had poured like crazy up in the mountains and it was coming down and we had no idea it was coming. No idea. And he said, you've got to get to higher ground. You've got to get to higher ground right now. And so he said, you can go to this ground and you can watch the whole flash flood. We thought that was pretty cool. So we went to there and we're watching it and there's always one banana head, right? There's just one person that just never takes the warning. And this person goes down with their Jeep into it. They have to be rescued in front of us. I mean, it's a life and death situation that he did not have to put he or his girlfriend or wife, whoever that person was, in the, in the Jeep's destroyed all because he didn't listen to the warning. And the Holy Spirit constantly wants to warn us of things, of do this. And it may not even seem why it would be dangerous to us. I mean, it seemed no danger whatsoever that, the, that uh, with a sunny day, perfectly sunny day that we may be wiped out by water, right? But that's who, that, but somebody had a different perspective and they knew something we didn't know and they saved at least a lot of trouble if not our life. In the same way, God wants to save you from a lot of trouble and a lot of hardship and he gives a warning. And so, you know, the weird thing is there's always some person that gives the, God gives the warning and they say, I'm going to go ahead anyway. And it hurt, you know, they, they bring harm to themselves and to others uh, around them. But also think about how many times that God's spirit just wants to say, do this. And it may not be the thing that you'd normally do. It's not the thing that you chose. It's not the thing you would have picked. And it turns out a hundred times better than whatever you would have uh, picked. And that's why it's so important to understand in the big decisions. How are you going to know the, how to, who to marry? How are you going to know what job to be in? How are you going to know the investment to make? How are you going to know what ministry to be involved in if you're not doing that? But also the daily decisions that you and I make every day of what to do, and the weekly decisions, how to relate to people, the people God brings into our life. That's the Holy Spirit wanting to guide and direct us. The third thing is, is he has emotions. He can love. Romans 15, 30 says he can love. And the cool thing about that is, you know, again, an, 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 an impersonal force can't love you. I mean, I've never plugged, you know, something into a socket and the, the electricity said, love you, man. Right? I've never had that happen. I've never had that happen. But then it also, the Holy Spirit, he also can be grieved. Uh, Ephesians 4, 30 says, and do not grieve the Holy Spirit. I don't have to tell you what grief is, do I? Every single one of us know what it feels like to be brokenhearted, heartbroken and have, be disappointed, be disillusioned. We know what that, uh, that feels like. And here's the weird thing, that it's hard for us to, to comprehend that as human beings, that our decisions, our actions, our thoughts, our words can grieve God. We can break his heart. 
We can disappoint him. We can do those, have those, uh, those feelings towards him. And here's the thing. The more, the more we get to understand somebody and know somebody, the more you know what they like and what they don't like, right? I mean, the more time you spend with your friend, the more time you spend as a spouse, the more time you spend with your kids, the more you go, oh, they love this. Whether it means what they lo- kind of movies they like or what kind of food they like. Or, and you know what they don't like. You know what breaks their heart. You know what hurts them. And here's the thing, too. The more you love somebody, the more you're going to want to do the things that please them and not do the things that hurt their heart, right? I mean, the last thing, if you really love somebody, the last thing you want to do is hurt, do something that you know is going to break their heart. And the first thing you want to do is do the things that bring a smile to their face, to bring joy to their, to their heart. And the same thing with the Holy Spirit, right? The very same thing with the, with the Holy Spirit is the more we get to know Him, the more we spend time with Him, the more we understand, man, God loves that. You know, that brings a smile that you can feel the pleasure of God in your heart. Or you can feel the, the pain that happens when, you, when we do something that's, a, that's a, against His will or that, that we know He wouldn't like. But also, the more we do, the more we love Him, the more we're going to want to do things that please the heart of God. And the more we love Him, the, the less we're going to want to do something that breaks His heart. And the same thing with a human being and same thing with, uh, with God. So here's the big question. What are some things that grieve God? What are some of the things that break God's heart? In context of the verse we just read, we read that. Here it is. Therefore, each of you must put off falsehood and speak truthfully to his neighbor. For we are all members of one body. In your anger, do not sin. Do not let the sun go down while you're still angry. There's a good advice. And do not give the devil a foothold. He who has been stealing must steal no longer, but must work doing something useful with his own hands, that he may have something to share with those in need. Do not let any unwholesome talk come out of your mouth, but only what is helpful for building others up according to their needs, that it may benefit those who listen. And do not grieve the Holy Spirit of God, for whom you have been sealed for the day of redemption. Get rid of all bitterness, rage, anger, brawling, and slander, along with every form of malice. Be kind and compassionate to one another, forgiving each other, just as in Christ, God forgave you. Right there in context, there's several things that we understand. These are some of the things that grieve God's Spirit. Lying. Letting anger get the best of us. Going to bed angry. Unwholesome talk coming out of our mouth. Sin in any way. Stealing. Slander. Bitterness. Malice. And all those uh, things. And here's one thing that we look at. All of those things have one thing in common, don't they? And that's that it's mistreating a person, another person. I want you to understand this. God does not, the Holy Spirit doesn't hate sin because he's prude. The Holy Spirit doesn't hate sin because he's, not, because he's a party pooper. The, the Holy Spirit hates sin because it hurts people, and the Holy Spirit loves people. And also, I think this really super applies to brothers and sisters in the faith because of this. Because the brother and sister in the faith, they have the Holy Spirit living inside of them, too. And when we grieve that person, we're grieving the Holy Spirit that lives in, in, inside of them. And, and, and also, you know, you think about grief, too. It's, it's the pain we feel with separation, isn't it? I mean, we know what that feels like. If you've ever lost a loved one, you know what grief is about. You know the loss of that relationship with them. And you may know that you're going to see them in heaven. They may be a Christian and you know someday you're going to see them again. But there's that loss of the separation of intimacy. There's the loss of relationship. That's why we, that's why we grieve. And the same thing, when we do things habitually that break the heart of God, that are wanting, that we turn our back on God, we rebel against what God's telling us 
us to do, that we have to understand that, that, there is, that, 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 that I'm not talking about we lose salvation. I'm talking about we lose intimacy. And you know it and I know it. And so God, that breaks the heart of God and because, because of the lack of the, the break of intimacy. And it should break our heart too if we do, are doing anything that we know is, is taking away the intimacy with the Holy Spirit. And another thing, think of this. And let's look at this from the positive side, okay? That if these are the things that God doesn't like that grieves the Holy Spirit, let's put that in the positive. If telling lies is, uh, is, you know, is something that breaks his heart and getting angry and letting anger get the best of us, then telling the truth blesses his heart. Then controlling our anger blesses him. Then forgiving blesses him. Then honesty makes it, brings a smile to his face. And also the thing that really trips his trigger in a good way is intimacy, is, is obedience. His love is doing the things that don't separate us. If there's a separation, that we repent quickly, that we ask for forgiveness so that relationship can be back to, to, together. And also, the Holy Spirit's passion, don't miss this, is to glorify the Son, is to glorify Jesus Christ. And I'll tell you, I think what we did today brings, brings the Holy Spirit great joy. When we lift up the name of Jesus, when we are singing songs of praise to, to Jesus, to, the, to our Heavenly Father, that brings joy to the heart of, uh, of the of the Holy Spirit. And conversely, you know, when, when he ever hears the name of Jesus slandered or uses a cuss word or not lifted up or, or his name's rubbed through, through the, the mud, that breaks the heart of the Holy Spirit and grieves him. Something else, too, is he can be insulted. That's Hebrews 10, 29. I want you to think about a time that you've been insulted and just feel that, that feeling or maybe someone you love that's been insulted. Think of, think of how you felt when that happened. Think of it again. We can insult the Holy Spirit of God. What's one way? I'll tell, you, I'll tell you one way that I believe we can insult him is this. Heavenly Father, man, I believe in you. I want all of you come into my life. Do anything that you want. Father, come into my life. I want you. I love you. Jesus, come into my life. I want you as my Lord and Savior. You have all of my heart. You have all of my life. Holy Spirit, let's, I'm just going to open the door just a little bit. I'm just going to crack the door open because really, I don't really trust you. I don't really trust what you're going to do. I'm not sure what you're going to do. I can't really trust you. You may be weird and you may make me weird. So I'm just going to leave you at the porch, Holy Spirit. I love you, but I'm just going to leave you there. How insulting is that? But that is what the majority of Christians, I believe in this country, that's the reaction to the Holy Spirit. Instead of, and so uh, I think definitely that he can be insulted. He can also be resisted. There's an incredible man of God in, this, in, in the book of Acts called Stephen. And the Bible makes it clear that he was full of the Holy Spirit. And there was a time because the Pharisees, they didn't like him anymore. They liked Jesus, the one he represented. And, and they arrested him and, and made false accusations against him. He was the very first martyr of the Christian faith. The very first one we know that died as a believer for what he believed in. And, and one time they arrested him and they brought him before the Sanhedrin and everything. And, and, and they falsely accused him. And here's was, here was part of his defense. And this indictment, I believe, goes through the ages. And I don't know about you, but this indictment, I'm saying, please, God, let it not be true of us in our, in our country. God, please let this not be true in, a, in, in Crossroads. God, please let this not be true in my, in my life. And here's the, here's the indictment. You stiff-necked people with uncircumcised hearts and ears, you are just like your fathers. You always resist the Holy Spirit. Their indictment was saying that we resist the Holy Spirit. And the word there for resist, it's antipipto. And what it means, anti we know means opposite or against. And pipto literally means this, to light upon. 
to land on. So I want you to think about this. I remember one time I was painting outside in my house and all of a sudden this beautiful butterfly came and just landed on me like that. And I mean, what could I have done? I'm sitting there just admiring this beauty until it stayed there and stayed there and stayed there and then just went, uh, went away. But what I could have done, what I, resisting is this. You know, get away, get away, get away. And think of it, there's times that the Holy Spirit wants to light on us. He wants to light in our head. He wants to light in our heart. And, and, and there's people that just enjoy that. There's people that say, God, come. And there's people that say, get away, get away, get away, get away. And let's do it in sports terms, okay? In a sports analogy, we can understand. It's, it's stiff arming, right? It's, the, it's, it's this saying, the person trying to come and you push him away, you push him away, you push him away. And that's, again, there are people that do that. They, they'll, they'll accept other things, but they'll, but they'll push away the spirit of God. And I asked the question to some people, what's the difference? What is the opposite of resist? What's the opposite of that? And one person said, I love it. They said, embrace. I think that's great. Isn't it? Isn't that a different? Think of the difference in, in picture between this and this or this. And that's it. You're going to do, every one of us in this room, we're going to be doing one of two things with the Holy Spirit. We're either going to be doing this or we're going to be doing this. And you know, one thing I love seeing people as we, as we raise our hands in here, because not only does it say, I want people everywhere to lift up holy hands to the Lord, but it's a sign of something, isn't it? It's a sign of surrender. It's, a sign, it's also a sign of embrace, saying, how open can you get of going, God, I want you. I want all of you. God, I, your, your spirit, your love, your, your son, everything. I want all of you. Come in. I, I do nothing to resist you. I want that. And it's just an outward sign of what's taking place in a, in a person's heart. Another thing is not only that word, but, but also you could do the word to invite. Every single one of us in this room who are Christians know that there is a big difference between knowing about Jesus Christ and knowing him personally. Knowing facts about him and knowing that you even love him and want him, knowing that he died on the cross, and to invite him in your heart as your Lord and Savior. And the same thing is true in the Spirit. There's a big difference between knowing about the Spirit and saying, God, I, I invite you. I invite you to come, Holy Spirit, come in. I don't, I don't only res, not resist you. I'm saying, God, please come into my family. Please come into my life. Please come into our marriage. Please come into our church. Please come into my classroom. Please come into my job things. But most of all, God, please come into me and let me be that light that, uh, that, that shines. And so if we can just bow our head for a moment. I'll just say what I want, and maybe you can grab hold of that in your own life. I want to know the Spirit's thoughts. I want to know what He has to say about everything in this world and what He has to say about every area of my life. I want to know that. I want to know about His, 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 I want to know His will for my life. And not, not, just, not just maybe in the corner, but I mean His perfect will where I'm going down the center channel. I want to know His general will, so I want to spend time in His Word. I want to know his specific will for my life, for my kid's life, for my family, for my marriage, for this church. And the way I know that is I'm going to spend time listening to his voice. And I want to hear his voice clearer than ever before in my life. I want his word to come alive and I want his voice to come alive for me more than ever before. And I don't want to grieve him. I don't want to insult him and I don't want to resist him. How about you? I'm tired of grieving God. I'm tired of resisting anything that he wants to do. I want to be just, just like the, the, my, my dog that I just had to barely touch on his leash and he'd be right at my side. Not the dog that, that just I'd have to almost tear his head off to get him close to me. I want to be the nearest touch, the littlest touch on my heart, the littlest touch on my ear, the littlest touch on my mind. And I'm listening and paying attention to what he wants to say and close beside him.
And so, Holy Spirit, here's our prayer. God, help us to, help us to know your thoughts. Help us to hunger to know what you say about things. Help us to know your will for, for, for this church, for our families, for our community, God, for my relationships, for my health, for our health, God, and everything. And God, help us instead of grieving you and insulting you and resisting you, help us to be open to everything that you want to do and welcome you with an embrace, welcome you with open arms, and welcome you with an open heart. And all God's people said, amen.